You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love More Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Good morning, good morning, good morning. We are in the middle of September 2021. Oh, my God, this year has flown so fast. It seems like what is going on? What is going on? So I want to welcome you guys uh, to our loyal listeners who have been with us 16 years. Thank you, thank you, thank you, who stayed with us from the very beginning. I always tell you when we started at Rainbow Soul and we came over the blog, talk radio, for those of you who have been with us the whole entire way, I thank you. And if this is your first time, you just, it's kind of cloudy here where I am on the East Coast, but this is your first time tuning in off the shelf. You're just looking for something to do this Saturday morning. I want to tell you that you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show off the shelf, and welcome to this Saturday, September the 18th show. Thank you for joining us, and we have, I'm, I'm excited. I learned something from every show that we have done. We have a very uh, uh, engaging author and business leader on deck for you this morning. I can't wait to introduce you to her. But before I do, I have to ask you, how much time do you put in? And it doesn't take long. Just 10 minutes a day can make a difference, or even five minutes at the top of the day in the morning, five minutes at the bottom of the day before you go to bed. Do you take time to practice awareness? which is something really we, should, I think, would benefit from doing throughout the entire day, but also doing things you love, things that really demonstrate to you that you prove to yourself that you love yourself. And it's very, very important it's because um, you can go through life with all the changes we saw with COVID-19 when the gravy session was here. We, we have so many life changes that come up in our personal lives. It can take just one more thing to throw you off. So just daily, daily practices. And I wrote a book called Awakening to Inner Blessings, Inner Blessings that Come from When We Love Ourselves. You can get it in ebook and in print. It's $1.99 if you get it in ebook. And it's, it, you, this book is available through, through Amazon, so you can get it through Kindle. You can also get it through my website at Chistel, C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. Start waking up to the blessings that are right inside of you. You don't even have to go anywhere to get these blessings. And before I introduce our guests, i like to leave you with a thought that just pop into your spirit. See what, see what happens with it. And this quote is from Will Rogers. The quickest way to double your money is to fold it over and put it back in your pocket. <laughs> so that's, that's just a good piece of Will Rogers' humor we're starting the day with. Now I want to introduce you to our very special off-the-shelf guest, and this morning's uh, special guest is Laura Shido. If I said her name wrong, last name, I hope you correct me. And Laura is the author of the book Flaunt. I love that title, Flaunt. Flaunt, F-A-F-L-A-U-N-T, Flaunt. She is the author of the book Flaunt. She is also a former attorney, dancer, and public speaker. 
she is an avid exotic dancer. I'm thinking back to the times when I was in Hawaii and I could see the hula dancers. She's an avid exotic dancer and radio personality who lives an empowered life and who aims to empower others to live their best lives. In particular, Laura encourages women to reveal their smart, sexy, and spiritual selves so they can fall back in love with who they are and find the satisfaction and fulfillment that they crave. I encourage you to check Ms. Laura out online at www.lauracheeto, and I'm going to spell it, dot com, L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E dot com. Again, that's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E dot com, and I'm going to go and bring her live onto the show. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Well, we're honored to have you here. I always enjoy doing the research for the interview, uh, interviews for our guests. And, I, again, on the East show I learned something. And I learn things even as I'm researching for the questions for the, for the guests. And so we're just honored to have you on here. And I love the title of your book and your program, Flaunt. So, again, welcome, welcome. I'll let, let you know the first three or four questions I ask every single guest the same question who comes on to Off the Shelf. Again, I, I've learned as I've gone. When I first started, I just go right into talking about their books. And then readers emailed me, listeners, and said, can you give us some backstory on the guests before you start just going right into the questions about their books? So to kick it off, Ms. Laura, on this September the 18th, could you please tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Ooh, and I just love that question so much. I was born and raised in uh, Lakewood, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver. And I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and, you know, life was pretty magical and pretty simple compared to what life is like now. And I really appreciated the time connecting to nature, being able to be outside, just being able to run free down the street and, you know, climb on the monkey bars and play with my friends and just have that real connection to other people and to the earth. And I just feel so blessed and so privileged to be able to have had a slower childhood growing up. And, you know, one you thing know, that kind of made – go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, you said one thing well, that kind of made you. Yeah, made my childhood unique, too, that I wanted to point out. I'm an only child, and I'm an only child of two only children. <laughs> and I'm also okay. a great-grandchild, yeah, and great-grandchild on both sides. So – it, friendships were really important to me because I had no siblings and I had no cousins, and that's kind of unique. Yeah, so you, you know what? When I moved to, uh, I think it was Pennsylvania, and I was an adult, and I've heard other people. I've recently heard a woman who's I think seventy say this. She said, "Oh, I love the, the town where she lives." She said, "But it's, I don't. I, I wish I had more friends." And she said, "What she found, and I found this years ago, and I think I was in my." 30s people we said being only child people who have either siblings or they have a lot of cousins i don't know why we're like this as humans if we feel like i already have my friends my my circle who i keep in touch with at a certain point we stop going out making new friends it's the weirdest weirdest thing so i said even when I was there, I said, people almost like, I have my family and my own friends. I don't need to make new friends. <laughs> you have 
it's harder as an adult to make new friends. And that woman, when she told me that, she said, because, you know, everybody has their own lives. They have their own their own, their own friends, unless you run into somebody in a situation like you. But you learned early to reach out. You learned early to reach out and make friends. And I think that's a great, great thing uh, to learn as a kid, to learn that, that, that art, that skill to do that. That's it, yeah, because Yeah, because otherwise you have nobody. <laughs> no, you, but, you, but, but if you have siblings, you almost have ready-made friends. You have a lot of cousins. You might not really go out and think you need to make friends. As an only child, you're either going to make friends or you're just going to be by yourself. So I think that's, I think to me that you did it in a very positive, you took a very positive approach with it. Now, as a kid, Laura, when, when you were young, what did you dream of being when you grew up, when you were a kid? Oh, I dreamed of being a magical fairy princess or a ballet ah. dancer, either or. <laughs> I wanted to create magic. I wanted to just like create magic for myself and for others and and life just had so much possibility and I just wanted to be the person that could be there and create all that magic and justice and fairness was a part of that magic. I I was really drawn to noticing injustices in the world and wanting to make them right and I just kept thinking if I could just be a fairy godmother, a magical fairy princess, I could just fix everything for everyone and I could make this world so good. Wow, that you had that in your heart. What an amazing thing. Of all our guests, you're the first one to ever say that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But even that you had that in your heart, that's that's a beautiful thing. Who or what inspired you to pursue writing and book publishing? You know, it was one of those things that I always enjoyed, and I didn't really have a certain person that inspired me. But over the years, my teachers would always say, you're such a great writer, you're such a great storyteller. And being, again, an only child, it was a way for me to lose myself in my mind and in my heart and just to get all of things out and flowing through me. So when I was lonely, I would write. When I had something to process, I would write. And it was just an easier way for me to communicate, and I felt so whole and so complete when I wrote. And I don't think I could ever go without writing. It's just so integral to who I am as a solo. Interesting. Now, now, which came first? When I'm researching for your for your, your, your interview, I said, I mean, she has an interesting background. So curious, which came first, being a dancer or an attorney? Because in my mind, it's like those two, you, you don't see those two going together. But which did you get involved with first, dancing or, or working in, with law? Yeah, great question. I I danced my whole life. I think I took my first dance class at like age four. And I love dancing. Again, it was a way that just set my soul free because I could just move and process and do all of that. And then I did want to become an attorney because, you know, like I said earlier, justice and fairness was a really deeply ingrained in me. And as I became an attorney and got married and was a mom and had kids, it was like, I can't take time or money away to just go dance. I have to grow up and get serious. I have to have a real life and put other people first. And, you know, I spent a lot of years being pretty (laughs) self-sacrificial and putting everybody else first. And I didn't come back to dance until age 44. 
And when wow. I did, it was, yeah, it was a huge homecoming. And I am never going to let that one go again. Oh, my goodness. The things yeah. we learn, and, and when we're young, I mean, I could do a whole show with different people on what did you? What were you so certain about when you were young? Even if your parents or your grandparents or aunts and uncles said, "Well, you better think that one over," but that you were so certain about, and and your life took such a complete turn as it started to flesh itself yeah. out. Then now you look back and you're like, you know what? I'm, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But some things you're so certain about when you're young that life happens and we abandon it. But fortunately for you, you did come back to dance. Uh, so that's good news. Now, how did you find the courage? How did you find the courage? I, I definitely, for our listeners, want to ask you this, especially as we're when COVID-19 first started, March 2020, when I was at work and they said you know for us to go home i thought two weeks tops i really yeah. did i thought two weeks tops i'm telling you i'm telling you and it's it's now been a, a year and six months i, I mean yeah. you couldn't have told me this would have been this long so for pe- some people their job either has gone away or they, they due to health issues they're like i can't go back to the job I was in, you know, they just decide, decided to make a change because this has been a long time to give people a lot of time to think. So that said, some people might say, "I want to do, I want to do like Laura. I want to make a shift, but I'm too, I'm scared. I want to make a shift, but I'm scared." So how did you find the courage to transition from being an attorney? And were you working for another, like a, a, a um? Uh, a, a business uh, headed up by a senior yeah. attorney. How did you tra- have the find the courage to transition from working for someone else, if you did, to being an entrepreneur? Yeah, it it was an interesting transition, and yes, it was scary, and there were so many points along the way where it was just a, a small choice. Um, I was a corporate attorney. I was in-house for a major um, life and annuity, uh, life and, and annuity health insurance company. And there were just small steps along the way. Like if I would have gone on, say, a Thursday morning, you know, to working to Bing the Dancer, that would have been too big of a step. And that would have taken too much courage. So what I did is I would just keep focusing on what was in front of me, what was like that next little mini step that I could take that would make myself a little happier, that would make me feel a little bit more complete. And the first thing I did was quit work. And that was that was scary. But I kept telling myself, if it's a mistake, you know, you can always go back. It's not like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not like you cannot undo this. So I, I quit. And I stayed home with my kids for a while. And then I realized I'm not, I'm not satisfied for me. I want to start having my own career, you know, go on my own entrepreneurial path. But I still want to be here for my kids. So it was like, okay, I'll do it very part-time. So I eased myself into it. And I took courses. And I went back for an associate's degree in hypnotherapy. And I would study while they're at school. So it was always these little steps, little steps. And even the day that I walked into my first dance class again, I bought it as a coupon because I didn't want to have like a big financial investment in something. And out front of the studio, 
and I write about this in my book. I'm sitting out front of this dance studio in a minivan, and there's dog slobber on the inside of the car windows. <laughs> and all of these, <laughs> yes, and I'm just like this total mom. And all these beautiful, in-shape women are walking in and out of the studio. And it crumbled me. It was like, I can't do that. I'm 44 years old. You know, I've got this mom body. I've got the minivan with the dog, it's dog slobber. I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. Who am I? And it was one of those things that I thought, it's one hour. You, could, you have been through so much in your life. You can go one hour. If you hate it, you'll never see these people again. If you really hate it, you can pretend to be sick and walk out in the middle of the class. <laughs> but if you don't go in, you're never going to know. And if you don't try, yeah. you're never going to know. Wow. You know Amazing. what you said something? Oh, my goodness. Just just what you said. You said something. If you don't like it or if it doesn't work out, you yeah. can always go back. And I think that is so important to hear I know that's something I have have rarely heard. I think it's so important yeah. to hear uh, it, it, for somebody because we often, at least myself, look at things as if if this doesn't work, it's like all gloom and doom. But no, you can, you can pivot. You can always pivot, and we often have to pivot in life anyway. But you can always mm-hmm. pivot. So it's I really. You 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 seem to have some I don't know if it's subconscious where you love yourself enough to to to, to I guess not make it seem so extreme to yourself like if you don't like it you can always go back if it doesn't work out you can always go back it's just one hour and so little by little you got there and I think sometimes yeah. when we look at people like you Laura when people look at people like you they think wow I can never be her. I can never do what she's doing until you tell them it didn't happen overnight. You, you know, if you yeah. tell your story, it didn't happen overnight. I did this step by step by step. But yeah. the corporate job, oh, my gosh. Were you, were you, <laughs> and, 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 and was this a time when more people were doing this, or were you just so dissatisfied with it that you said, I can't stay? You know, a lot of people were not doing it, and people thought I was really crazy. And yeah. what's even the craziest about it is I wasn't that dissatisfied. It it was more of a calling that I knew there was something more for me than a dissatisfaction. Um, it was a great company. There were great people. I worked with one of my best friends. I just kept thinking I'm not making a difference here. And the reason I went to law school, you know, was for that justice and to make a difference. And I kept thinking, all I'm doing is I'm cleaning up messes. And if I could reach people before they get in these messes, if I could help them prevent making this mess and getting in this legal situation in the first place, that's where I can do the greatest good. And it was more a calling than a dissatisfaction. So when you left your so you you left your job working for the co- corporate America and you went back and you took this dance class, what were yeah. you doing part time again? What did you start to evolve your business into at that time? And and as you answer that as well, had you had a full vision of what you saw yourself stepping into, or did that just materialize along the way? That materialized along the way. You know, again, circling back to what we were kind of saying about step at a time. 
I knew I wanted to help people, but I didn't really know what that looked like. So at the time I thought, and this is like one of the steps in FLAUNT. FLAUNT is an acronym, and the F stands for Find Your Fetish. And that's what I did is I just started looking around at different um, degree programs. I started looking around at different certifications. I started taking classes, and I was thinking, I want to help people, but I'm not exactly sure how. What does this mean? So I would just experiment. And, you know, I, did, I learned some energy work. I uh, went back to school and got a certification to do hypnotherapy. I did personal training. I just experimented with a, with a beginner's mind, with a real open heart. And it was always like, show me what I can do to help. I'm not sure what this looks like, but show me. As I did the different classes, I would start working with friends, with moms at school, you know, with people that I knew from work, and I'd say, these are some of the skills that I've learned, and just talk to me. What are you struggling with? What are your problems? How does this help? And I started putting together my own program, using the body, the mind, the spirit, dance as a form of release. And that's how I put together the whole flaunt process, and that's how I put together my whole business. And it was the intent to help but I didn't know how I let that evolve along the way. Wow. You, you got that courage. Exactly. Tell us, Laura, exactly what does a life choreographer do? What does a life choreographer do? Okay. If you think about choreographing any kind of a routine, like, you know, a dance routine or even a fight scene in a movie, you have a brief period of time and you have to get this message or this emotion across. And you have to deal with a lot of constraints, the size and skill and talent of the dancers, the space, the stage, the lighting, the costumes, the music. You have all of these little pieces that have to come together to create something cohesive and meaningful. And that's what I do with our lives. We all have this passion and this desire, this calling that we know of something that we want to do, and then we get trapped with those limitations. Oh, but I'm too old. Oh, but I owe too much money. Oh, but I have kids. Oh, but I have this. Oh, but, oh, but, oh, but. And that's what I do is I take the reality of all of those constraints and I help you choreograph exactly the kind of life that you want. Because it's not about, you know, like quitting your life and running off to Paris. It's about fulfilling your responsibilities. It's about making money. And it's about living your fullest all at the same time. And that's really my gift to help people do that. And, and, and you've done it yourself. It's, it's always good to work with somebody who's done it themselves and, and who has helped others and seen that it does work. Because that gives you conviction. Yeah. You know, it, it's not just an ideal. You've done it yourself. You've seen that it does work. Tell us about the five steps of flaunt. Oh, they are so much fun. S stands for find your fetish, and that means find the things that you love. Keep playing. Keep experimenting. When you're a kid, you play for the sake of play. You don't play to get better at things. You don't play to impress people. You don't play to lose weight. You play because it's fun. And as we grow up, we lose that. And that first step, find your fetish, 
is to remind you to keep the magic alive, to keep looking for that next thing, to keep enjoying and having fun and allowing yourself to grow without expectation. L stands for laugh out loud. We do so many things wrong. <laughs> Life is so hard and it's so messy. And when we get locked in that mindset that it has to be right and that it has to be perfect and that everything needs to turn out according to some, you know, preconceived expectations, we set ourselves up for failure. And laughing out loud, yeah, is just reminding us that it's the journey that matters. It's not the destination. It's the journey. And the journey is going to happen whether we enjoy it or not. So are you going to be miserable? <laughs> it's true. It is so true. You can be miserable along the way or you can laugh yeah. and enjoy it. Yeah, it's so true. AU, I call the golden center of flaunt because that's where the rubber hits the road. AU stands for accept unconditionally. We want to put so many conditions on people. I'll love you if you do this. I'll be happy when I lose 10 pounds. Once I get promoted, then my life will be good. Uh-uh. You've got to accept everything and everyone as they are. Changing people doesn't work. <laughs> Always mm. delaying happiness for the next wow. thing doesn't work. And I don't know about you, but... My life didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. Yes, so, yes, yeah. Yes. And my biggest hurdle was when I learned that my husband had been cheating on me our whole marriage. And it's one of those things, oh yeah. I could spend my whole lifetime, you know, beating down that path. Oh, my God, he did this to me, and it's not how I expected. And I did everything right. Or I can just accept it unconditionally without judgment and realize that this is my life, and I get to choose how I live it. And things happen, and things will happen. And I still am going to be okay because I am accepting unconditionally that life is hard. And that leads to the N in flaunt, which is navigate the negative. It's all about navigating. People die. Stock markets crash. You know, global pandemics happen. Again, we can go down that path of blah, 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 blah. Or we can navigate and remember to laugh and remember to accept that it is what it is and keep on finding our joy. And the very last step of flaunt is T, trust in your truth. At the end of the day, we only have ourselves. We only have ourselves and our reaction to things. And we are the only one who knows if it feels right or knows if it feels true. And it's great to reach out for others for advice. But it still is your life and your emotions. And it's all about you. And the best and the biggest and the most important thing we can all do is learn to have that self-trust and to never let ourselves down. Mm. So 
for the five steps of flaunt. Thank you for sharing those. Find your fetish. What do you love? Laugh out loud. Accept unconditionally. Navigate the negative and trust in your truth. So when it comes to, and you gave us an experience of what you had in your, with your marriage, of accepting unconditionally, why is that so important? And is there, is you have one to two tips you can share with our listeners who might be struggling with that? Yeah, and you know that's the human condition. I really think is is struggling to accept. So much of it is that we have it in our minds that if we're good, we will be rewarded, and if yeah. we do the right thing, yeah, and if we're on the right path, we'll get the right return on investment. You know, whether it's an emotional investment or a work investment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And we internalize it and we think, oh, my gosh, I must have done something wrong because I didn't get this reward and I did the right thing. Well, the fact is betrayals happen all the time and it really has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with the other person, the person who hurts us. It doesn't have to do with us. And I think my biggest tip is learning how to untangle us and our actions from other people and their actions. Mm. And that's hard to do. That's really hard to do. But challenging yourself, am I in right action? You know, where is my integrity? Where is my truth? And if you do what you think is the right thing and it turns out wrong, still acted according to your truth. You still trusted yourself, and that's what matters. That's what matters, not the outcome. It's kind of like the Buddhist concept of non-attachment. The only thing you can attach to is whether you're choosing something for good reasons or for bad reasons. And the outcome is not up to you. Yeah, you know, and I think all the the, um, the spiritual teachings, whichever one, is there's that lesson in letting go that we're yeah. not always so good at. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Because <laughs> we want to control it. Yeah. Yeah. We want to control it. We want to, yeah, and be rewarded. We want the reward. Yeah, and even though we know it's not, it's it. it you you wonder how as humans will we, will we break some of our patterns? And then you think I've heard some people say maybe that's what's happening with with the COVID stuff that we just want to control it and whose fault is it and. It is really a struggle for us as humans to turn things over. It is really, really hard. Now, that kind of leads into my next question. You talk about trusting your truth. So I want to put this in for somebody is is tuning in to this show today or in the archives, and they had a very, very traumatic childhood. And so their truth, what they see as truth, is maybe very warped. So when you say trusting your truth, how can you know that that's a healthy truth? And are there signs that, that we that we are or are not living our truth? Yeah. Oh, so so important because you're absolutely right. We all come at life from our own perspective, and our own perspective is so different. I think the biggest way to really determine if something is truth or not is to sit with it quietly by yourself for a while and to see how it feels. And what I mean by that is 
I know we have all had those experiences because I'm raising my hand, I have to, where we're not really a very nice person, where we're sitting with something and we're really thinking, I'm going to show them and they're going to suffer and this is going to be that I'm miserable. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah, yeah. Once you get to be a certain age, you know, you like probably done a lot of things, yes. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. And that is not that is not your truth. When when I learned about my husband's infidelity, let me tell you, there was a lot of me that wanted to go into rage and yeah. revenge and all those things. And I kept thinking that would mean that he made me into somebody that I am not. I am not a hateful, judgmental, rage-filled person. You don't have that power over me. So, yes, for people who have had traumatic childhoods, who have had a lot of different trauma, whether it's you know, sexual abuse or rape, or I mean, there's a lot of trauma in our society. There is a lot. Being able to sit and answer the question, what kind of a person am I? And what kind of a person do I want to continue to be? And are these thoughts in alignment with that? Feeling in alignment with that? Is doing something, you know, hateful and revengeful and lying in alignment with the kind of person that I am or not? It's a wake-up call. Yeah, okay. Who who do you really want to be? And then sometimes, like you said, sitting still. That I, I, have, I have heard that time and again how important it is. Like I was saying at the start of the show, even if you just spend five minutes in the morning, we don't get still. And even even when somebody tells you to be still, there's always the excuse, I don't have time. And right. if, if you don't do it, you one day might. I read a quote, heard a quote recently. They said, take care of your health. Take care of your health before. You, if you, you, you don't take care of your health day by day, before that's the only thing you are doing is is, is focusing yeah. on your health. To take care of it, and like you said, when you went after your dream, little small steps, do small things every day to take care of yourself before the only thing you are doing is focusing on your health. So do, yeah. do the small things every day to take care of yourself. And sitting still is one of those things. Where you just, yeah. I used to say I don't have time to sit still. And you know they say some of the most successful people, who I, I, I don't I'm not inside them so I don't know how much peace and joy they feel but they say they they meditate an hour a day for, and they don't there's no reason why that they ever never do it and they have jam packed schedules but they will not exactly. not do it they will exactly. not not do it. oh yeah here's one of my favorite exercises that I love to give people get some hand cream it, hopefully it's something that you like the smell of and if not that's okay but grab something and. Really be present putting the hand cream on. Feel the tube. Watch the color of the cream as you're squeezing it on your hand. Rub it into your hands, not like rub, 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 but lovingly. You know, massage it into every finger. Tickle your palm. Stroke the back of your hand. Use some deep pressure and massage your palm. Bring it up to your nose and smell. And it takes all of a whole minute. But if you can just be very, very present putting on hand cream and engaging all of your senses, that is enough to shift the course of your entire day sometimes. And everybody has time to do that. Yes. Oh, my goodness. 
How, what yeah. a simple tip you shared that could, it, that could just change your life. I mean, I, and, and a tip I'll share for people who might be dealing with anxiety or fearful thoughts. That's where our fear generally comes from, our thoughts, our beliefs. I read this in a, it was a Buddhist thing where you just sit, and I'm not a, I'm not a Buddhist, but you just sit and you watch your thoughts pass, and you say, I seem to be thinking about paying my rent. I seem to be huh. thinking about that 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 um, rattling noise in my car. I seem to be thinking about uh, cooking dinner this weekend when I'm having guests over, and just let them pass mm. like clouds. And just just do that. It, it has those thoughts have no power over you. And eventually, and I'm telling you, I've done it, and it worked for me. And I mean, I was doing with anxiety. You can literally, it'll just go away if you just keep doing it. You might have to do it for a week, and you should. But you should start to see results in a week. Do it for a month, and then you're like, the, the, the anxiety is gone. It just, keeps, wow. and I'm not talking to people with brain issues, but you just keep doing it and see how it works. So you don't think your thoughts are controlling you, like they're so powerful. We're the ones, we're the ones creating our thoughts. That shared, I want to ask you this. Laura, what are the labels as you've moved forward to your own flaunt? What are the labels, roles, and scripts? Uh, And we're hearing this more with diversity, inclusion, and women and women leaving the workforce. What are the labels, roles, and scripts that you have personally dealt with as as yourself Uh, becoming a woman, a, a woman in a leadership role? Oh, my goodness. It gets so frustrating, doesn't it? <laughs> I I have a lot of energy, and my personality is bouncy and perky. And I can't tell you how many times people have been like, oh, you're such a floozy, you know. Oh, or, my goodness. Yeah, and it's like, what are you talking about? And it's so frustrating because it's it, so many times – Unless you're angry and mean and really serious, people don't think you're smart. And it's like, I'm sorry, but I am smart, and I'm willing to engage and smile and laugh and have fun because that's who I am. And I have been labeled and judged for being a dancer. I have been, it's crazy, when I was in really, really great shape, I was labeled for being like, you know, too pretty and too sexy and having too great of a body. And then you start oh having goodness. kids and you, oh, yes, oh, yes. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm fitting the stereotypical what a woman is supposed to be and I'm judged because I fit that. And then I age and I have kids and I gain weight and now I'm judged for having a mom body. It was like, I can't win. I cannot win. I look the right way and I look the wrong way. And either way, I'm judged. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. You know, that goes for all of us. I, I, I'm so, I want to thank you for sharing that for people who are listening and they think about the labels that have been put on them. And you kept going forward. I mean, you yeah. really are like an inspiration. Now, in your book, Flaunt, Laura, you encourage women after talking about the labels, the roles, the scripts, how people saw you. Um, in your book, book Flaunt, you encourage women to get in the spotlight. Get in the spotlight. I, I feel like as women, often we're told to like step back, support somebody else and get in the background, but you encourage women to get in the spotlight. Have you found, yeah. though, Laura, have you found that most women prefer to avoid the spotlight? And and if so, either way, why do you think that is? 
Yes. Here's what it is. We're afraid of what it's going to be like in the spotlight, but the fear of being in the spotlight is so much greater than actually being there. Because we are raised to please. We are raised, you know, we want to please people. We want to conform. We want to fit in. We're terrified that people are going to say mean things about us and that they're not going to like us. So we build that up in our head. And then growing up, you know, and in the workforce, we have all had those mean, mean people stab us in the back, whether it's women or men. Stab us in the back, hurt our feelings. We've all been betrayed where we share a secret and then somebody tells it to the world. So we protect and we cover and we keep adding layers because we're like, nobody's going to hurt me again. I've learned the time. I'm just going to sit back here. I'm just going to do this. But then we're really suffocating ourselves. We're covering up. We're smothering and we're not allowing ourselves to live and we're afraid of what it's like to live. So what I really advocate us all doing is, I call it stripping down. Strip down and stand in the spotlight, metaphorically naked. I talk about naked self-worth, which is the ability to stand there as you are, not as you think you should be, and to just let yourself be. Because you take away other people's ammunition. When you're brave enough to be like, yeah, I'm really messed up. Yeah, I don't know this. Yes, I'm afraid. Yes, I lost a job. I ruined a marriage. I made this mistake, whatever it is. When you stand there and own it, and your vulnerability is your strength and your power, and then other people can't hurt you with it. And instead, people start admiring you. And then you realize my strength is in who I am, not in what I do. What matters is who I am, not how much I please. And the women that I coach, the women that I work with, I mean, the power that they feel in themselves is so enormous. And it's such a relief. You don't have to perform anymore. You just got to be you. Mm, You don't have to perform anymore. You just have to be you. I was a part of a program, actually, it's mainly women, but but some men also in it. And everybody on there was struggling with something. People you think who have it so together, when people really open up, like you saying, get naked and really get in the spotlight and be honest about where you are and and, and your worth. We will never know our own worth in this world. It's just way beyond that. That's a good thing to do, and then being around other people. So I wasn't going to ask you this, but 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 now I want to, for our listeners, do you do group work or do you work with? How does how does your flaunt work? Do you work one on one with clients as a live choreographer, or do you also do group work where people can hear each other share experiences and say, yeah. "Oh, I'm not the only one"? Or how does it work when somebody uh, enrolls in flaunt? Yeah, absolutely. I work both ways. I work one-on-one with people for um, a six-month period of time. We do um, a whole one-on-one deep dive package in owning your worth and reconnecting to your value. And it's wonderful. 
And then at the end of that program, of course, along the way, you know, you can meet people in, in the group too. And at the end of that, I do what's called a yoga-lesque workshop. And it's a three-day workshop where we really come together with people and we practice. We cre- actually create a piece of performance art that is like the culmination of our soul and our journey here on earth. And it's putting on and stripping off different layers. So it's like, you know, when you see that video and it morphs through, you know, and somebody ages in front of you, it's like Mm -hmm. that. It's like I'm layering on this identity of, you know, good daughter and now wife and then mother and then I've been hurt and I take this off and I put this on. And it just encapsulates where we have been so we can set ourselves free and then choose consciously what I am putting on for this next chapter. Starting fresh, stripping down, and here is where I go from there. So, yes, oh, it is so powerful. And just to witness and hold space for other people doing that is incredible. And then for you to see it, you're probably blessed every time you you get to see it. Now, how can we as women uh, uh, today, so if a girl's born today, she's probably going to be very different, I'm assuming, than I I was, I mean, I was raised, my mom passed when I was seven, so I was raised by alpha male, mm-hmm. so I wasn't raised to be like a weak, a weak woman, and no no way like that. But I can yep. observe the, the world around me, and I can tell you as a kid, I, the roles I saw, and I figured this by the time I was about six or seven, that women were here to support men, men went off to work, Women did the laundry and cooked and took care of the kids. I, that's what I saw as a young girl. I forget how old yep. I was when the first time I saw a woman driving a car and a guy was the passenger. I literally, like, gawked. I couldn't believe what <laughs> I was seeing. And the first time I saw a woman pumping gas in a car. Now, to, to young girls who were born in the 80s or later, this, what I'm saying, probably sounds absurd. But So hopefully we're getting better through the generations. But for women today, how can women ensure, again, we're seeing women leaving the workforce. They're like, it's just too much. I can't juggle the the kids and work. It's too much. How can women ensure that we're we're seen and loved for who we are and not what we do, not that we're taking care of everybody and putting up with abuse and suffering through it? How How can we ensure that we're seen and loved for who we are uh, instead yeah. of falling into a caregiver and putting others before ourselves. Oh yeah. Okay. This this is deep, and this is this is so super simple, but so challenging all at the same time. We can't expect others to see in us something that we can't see in ourselves. Wow. Yeah. And one of my favorite exercises that I do with my one-on-one coaching and in my group coaching is I have people look in the mirror, and I just get choked up talking about it because it's so powerful, and to look in your own eyes and tell yourself what you see. And I see, yeah, a strong, powerful, beautiful woman who can hold this and who can do that. And if you're not seeing that in yourself, you can't expect anyone else to see it in you and just using that mere exercise and keep practicing and keep really seeing then you start embodying that and then that's who you become 
And then that's who you are. Because that's part of that accepting unconditionally, too. We can't force anybody to see us differently. But when we hold ourselves in that kind of esteem, other people will begin to see us that way, too. So we get that's our self-work. Yana Van Zandt always said, you got to do your work. you got to do your work. And what, in what ways, and this is more fun than work, in what ways can dance help us to fall in love with ourselves? And can we just dance around the home like yes. people just sing? Or do we have to be a great dancer and go to a dance class? In <laughs> what ways can dance help us, Lord, to fall in love with ourselves? Oh, dance is so much fun. And no, you don't have to be a dancer and you don't have to follow anyone or anything. It's so funny because some of my most popular videos on YouTube is just me freestyle stupid dancing and tripping all over myself. <laughs> the okay. reason, yeah, that's all you have to do. That is it. Why it helps and why it makes us fall in love with ourselves is it's, it's actually primal. Animals don't dance. We are the only animal that dances we are the only being that dances that finds that rhythm it's the rhythm of the heartbeat it's the rhythm of mother earth it's the rhythm that connects us all dancing is uniquely human and it's great to dance with people but when you dance it you transcend you feel what your body can do you feel the joy and you start appreciating i can bounce i can step touch I can just sway side to side. You start appreciating, and it drops you out of your head. We spend way too much time in our head, and it moves us into our heart and our feeling, and it just allows us to feel our body, and it connects us to something greater than us. It's truly a form of meditation, a form of prayer. It's so powerful. And no, you don't have to think. But I do challenge everybody to just make a playlist of two or three songs and just practice turning those on and just moving and just getting to the end of the song. That can be your goal. Just get to the end of the song, and it's going to shift how you feel, and you're going to start appreciating your body way more. I'm going to put on a song and dance as soon as show is over. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I, I am. I certainly am. Now, I love your writing style, Lord. Your writing style is like your, just just this interview with you. You're very open and you, 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 you're courageous, and so you just flow. So did you go to school to develop your writing style? It's very fluid and engaging. Thank you. My undergraduate degree was in journalism um, because I always did love to write. And then in law school, you're not trained to write per se, but you do a lot of writing. So it's just always been a part of who I was. Okay. Now you also have mm-hmm. a podcast. Can you tell us the name of your podcast and what types of topics you cover on the show? Yes. My podcast is called Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. Obviously, I've got the infidelity journey, but looking back over my life, I always have become been acutely aware of the times that I felt betrayed or I betrayed myself by not trusting in my truth. You know, even with our culture, our culture sets all these standards for women that women just can't reach, and then we feel like we've been betrayed because we're, we're told we can do it all and we can't, and that's really a betrayal. 
So my podcast takes a deep dive on a lot of topics that can really help people recover from betrayal. Learning how to trust yourself, learning how to trust others, how to let go. What does forgiveness truly mean? Not just like, oh, yeah, 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 I forgive you. But what does it really mean and how do you get there? And I do just a variety of interviews, a variety of solo shows, but it's all designed for people who really want to start pinpointing, how have I betrayed myself? How have other people betrayed me? And how can I move forward and truly create this magical, joy-filled life despite anything that's happened to me in the past? Oh, my goodness. And so I love that spirit of it's not over. It's not over. It's a song. It's not over. Nope. To, God says it's over. It's <laughs> not over. Just as long as you're here, just keep going. I believe we're entitled, eternal beings anyway. So just keep going. And what a what a wonderful to your podcast. And I love that you stick with that flaunt. Now, going back to COVID, I want to talk a little bit about book marketing. we got less than 10 minutes to go. Are you still hitting the road doing book tours, Laura? And would you recommend that authors do book tours to spread the word about their books? You know, pre-COVID, I was on the road, and I absolutely recommend book tours because it's a great way to engage with people. But during COVID, I have just had a hard time with that. And I have been off the road, and I currently don't have plans to go back, although I'm really itching to start back. <laughs> because, <laughs> I thought, <laughs> because I thought I just don't – things are changing so rapidly, and I don't want one of my events – I don't want controversy around it. I don't want to get into a, you know, a mask debate or a vaccine debate, oh, yeah. and I don't want it to be a catalyst for something. And I'm like – I'm just bowing out of this, and I'll play online with people. There's plenty of other ways to connect, and I'll go back a little bit later. But normally, normally I would highly recommend book tours. Okay. Yeah, it's a good way. There's people seeing you in person. I can't say the impact when you go, when I've gone to events, and I did go to one in late August. It was outdoors, a festival, and they had an author's pavilion, but, and it was safe, but, um, when when I go to in-person events, when this opens up for authors who are listening to today's show, um, I'll see my book sales spike after. So they might not buy the book at the event, or they might talk and say, "Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I went to this. Oh, and I saw this author, and I always pass out stuff." And then I might see the book sales pick up anywhere from a few days to up to two weeks after I go to an event. I think they're very very effective. So I want to kind of jump into the next thing. So can you share two to three actions that you have taken during this uh, COVID-19 to stay in front of readers? Yes. I have really focused small. Instead of looking at the global, you know, how, how can I reach a lot of people, I have toned it down and I really focused on how can I create impact to a smaller number of people. And I've reached out to some local bookstores and I've done some very small Zoom events. Like I've taught some burlesque classes. Um, I've done, you know, some meditation classes. And I've really focused on going deep with the people who were there, giving them more value, connecting with them, creating a relationship with them. 
because then they've been like, oh, my gosh, I love you. This is amazing. I'm going to tell my sister, (laughs) you know, and then, yeah, and then reaching out to that sister and creating a relationship with them and being like, how can I help? What's going on? Let's talk. And then she's like, oh, my gosh, I have my three best friends I need to introduce you (laughs) to. And just focusing on smaller and slower because I feel like that's kind of what we're all being called to do right now with COVID. Anyway, we we can't be in this mass space. So I'd rather just slow down and really engage and get to know people one-on-one. And then also, because you said a couple of tips, I've really just been experimenting with things with no expectations. You know, I had like a group of like a females engineering society and they're like, hey, do you want to come have a fireside chat? And I'm thinking, well, sure, why not? It's just, I've just been open to whatever and seeing if it works and if it doesn't work and anything is okay, but I'm open to trying new things and to meeting new people and allowing myself to be led and to relax. Your book is never going to go away. You know, there will be book events coming up. There will be book fairs coming up. Like you said, there's plenty of safe places coming up. But just right now, I challenge you to think small. What can you do in your community, in your neighborhood, just with one person at a time? And you know what? I appreciate you sharing uh, sharing that. I've seen major corporations, and they'll have an army of employees, but that's what they Mm do. They don't expect Mm -hmm. one person to go out and 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 in a year get a hundred sales. If you can just one person, I'm, I've seen it. And I've seen companies go huge. They may say if you can just get four sales this year, well, depending yeah. on what it, what the product is. If it if it's something they can make a lot of money off of, you can just get three or four. And if it's something that doesn't cost as much, if you can just get twenty sales this year, and then with all every if everybody does that. You, you will really be doing good, but it's you. You, you see, big companies. You think they they don't expect every individual employee to go get a thousand sales. It's they no. they do what you they do what you're doing. They make them smaller, <laughs> have a deep relationship, and then that person will tell another person, will tell another person, will tell another person. If you do if you do it right, I think it's very very smart what you're doing. As we come to a close, I, de- I definitely wanted to ask you, for our listeners who might be juggling a lot right now, and some people are feeling a lot of stress from that, how do you find time and do you have tips for juggling uh, the book marketing, the podcast, the dancing, the workshops, the public speaking, family? Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips with somebody who might really be <laughs> feeling overwhelmed right now? Yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. And I also want to start by saying, I mess that one up a lot, and I get into overwhelm and panic and meltdown too. So you don't expect yourself to be perfect. For me, I really focus on it has to be fun, and it has to be enjoyable. I think I said at the beginning of the podcast, the journey happens. Whether you enjoy it or not is optional. And I can really get myself overwhelmed and into that perfectionist mode, and this isn't getting done, and everybody can leave me alone. And then it's like time folds in on itself and collapses and everything falls apart. When I take that moment to put on my hand lotion, connect, breathe, smile, laugh, and just realize this is, this is my journey and this is fun, and if things fall apart, they fall apart. And that's okay. I'm not killing anybody if I don't get a podcast out. <laughs> and just laugh <laughs> and enjoy <laughs> and take time to go outside more things get done. 
and I enjoy it. Where can where can where can off the shelf listeners get a copy of your books, Laura? Oh, they can find it anywhere books are sold, whether it's Amazon or Walmart or books, you know, bookstores. But they can also go to my website, which is laurachedle.com, L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. I know I spell Laura differently. And I can send them an autographed copy. And when you buy it from my website, too, you get a um, coupon for a free burlesque class. So that's oh, just another awesome. way to, oh, yes, have some fun and engage. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, can you tell us any social media networks you're at? If somebody, I know we have your website. Again, I want to give it out. She has a phenomenal website, L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. But if somebody wanted to connect with you on social media, are you on social media? Yes, I am on Instagram and Facebook mostly, and on Facebook I have a group called The Flaunt Flock, and people can hop in there and engage with other people who are on this journey, who are struggling to, you know, have fun and show themselves authentically. So I'd love to see you in The Flaunt Flock, and I'd love to see you on Instagram or Facebook in general. Oh, awesome. We have been blessed, blessed, blessed to have Ms. Laura Cheadle here with us this morning. Again, I want to give out her website. As soon as you go over to her website, you're going to go, wow. I mean, they're just to feel the energy. She has a great website. Again, it's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. She said, if you get a book, you get an autographed copy and one of her free dance classes so you can have lots of fun. We have just been Fortunate to have Laura Cheadle, and she's the author of the book Flaunt. She's also a former attorney, dancer, and public speaker. She's an avid exotic dancer and radio personality. She has her own podcast. Check her out online. She says she's on Instagram and Facebook, on social media at the Flaunt Flock, but you can also find her on her website as well. Thank you so much, Laura, for being here with us. Those five steps to Flaunt, you guys, you got to check out and get connected with Flaunt. Don't put it off. And then make sure you put on a, a song today and, and dance through your whole song. Laura is coming with some new stuff. And so I love what she's doing. Encourage you to support Laura Sheeta. Thank you, Laura, for taking the time to be here with us on Off the Shelf. And I thank each and every one of our listeners. I really appreciate you, and I value you. I appreciate you, and thank you for being here on the show. And as I always tell you, you are awesome. You are incredible. You are amazing. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Laura, I'll shoot you an email when the show finishes streaming. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye for now.